The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm celebrating starting my 16th year on Federal News Network, Federal News Radio, with a, uh, a frequent guest and a good friend, Nick Wakeman, editor of Washington Technology. Nick, welcome back, man. I'm glad to be here, and I'm honored to be on your anniversary show, uh, helping well, you kick off your your there, 16th year. There you go. Uh, and, and you know, I want to mention this, too. You and I have been connected on LinkedIn since 2005, and February 11th, I'm marking my 19th year on LinkedIn. Wow. So, um, so we're pioneers, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't and, even remember when I met you. <laughs> um, no, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure at an event of some sort or, uh, well, uh, yeah, but I mean, you were working for Steve LeSware back then. Yeah. Um, and Steve was the editor of Wash Tech prior to you. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised when he left, but happy when you got the gig. So, you know, not only was it, you know, no harm, no foul, but, you know, frankly, you've evolved into the best editor in the market. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure there's some people that would argue with that, but I I appreciate (laughs) (laughs) their vote don't count here. That's right. Um, So we're going to have a fairly wide ranging discussion today on things that are going on in the market and we want to start with uh with something that we we have unfortunately discussed online offline on record off record several times for way too long and that's the protest for ciosp4 um what the heck is going on here you know i part of me this is going to sound it's like in a way i feel like they they set themselves up to fail i think because a lot of the protests have involved how all these big contracts now have that self-scoring thing where you you go through and you assign yourself points for different things and then you submit you know the the you know the um, uh, the the evidence you know records or whatever that they can ver- so they can verify it and they go in and they you know if you don't reach a certain score you're out they or you know they'll only look at so many well. What, what NITAC did is they never told anybody what the threshold was. People could look at what the total number of points and they'd add up their points and, and they, people started getting kicked off and not, not making it to that next phase. And so that's where the protests have, because people have argued that it was an arbitrary cutoff. You know, you're getting rid of qualified companies, just, you know, that that's their argument. So NITAC has had, Gosh, I think we're up to like 160 protests and they're in the phase now where they're, I guess, taking another look at what the threshold would be, but they're still not telling people what the threshold is. <laughs> and uh, so, so I think we'll see more protests. It's not, not over. You, and, you think? 
Yeah. I mean, if if it's self-scoring, when are people going to start filling it out with chat GPT? Yeah, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, I need to I need to dig into that's a whole other discussion because that's that's keeps popping up and I'm I'm still trying to figure out what it is. Well, but, it's only uh, what two months into the news cycle now, and it's dominant. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Um, and I have some major issues with it. I asked it to do a uh, uh, to test. I asked it to do a piece on thought leadership for me, a synopsis. And it ended up quoting some of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. Uh, well, you know, with the CISP, this this whole thing with these self score, I've never been a big fan, but it, they are the reality because there's just not enough people to do the traditional reading through these things and the the traditional evaluations. Yeah. So they kind of yeah. kind of stuck with them, and then. You know, NITAC made that mistake. There was another contract that came out. I want to say NASA, and I should have looked this up before we got on the phone. They said, this is the number you have to reach in, in their solicitation. And yeah. so everybody knows that's what they're shooting for. And then they're not going to have near the problems. Now, they're not, I don't think they're going to make as many awards. I mean, CIO, CAOSP4 is a lot of companies make that, but. Well, yeah. yeah uh, yes. A lot of companies do make that. But, you know, uh, announcing the cutoff point would be would be a really good thing. But, you know, I, I think the first iteration wasn't that when Casey Kelly was running either Alliant or Oasis and he deployed that. Yeah. Yeah. The first. The, the, yes. It started started back then. I mean, I guess it's five years now they've been doing it. But yeah. It's just everywhere. It's just it's just the dominant uh the dominant process now for making awards because oh, they don't I, have I, enough people and they have a lot, you know, it seems like every contract just gets flooded with proposals too. Well, my take on it is that ever since Rob Cohn left NITAC, it's been on a slow downhill slide anyway. Yeah. And now that Rob Cohn is no longer with us period, I'm, I'm sad, but you know, I'm waiting for adult supervision because I'd hate to see the NITAC shop fold. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's move on to topic two. One of our other favorites: <laughs> mergers and acquisitions. Gee, do they ever happen in GovCon? <laughs> every um, now and then. Every now. Every and now then. and then. Now, you know, last twenty twenty one was huge. We had nearly two hundred deals that year. Twenty twenty two is going to be off of that, but it's still going to be higher than any other year before 2021 so it's still like at historic highs and a big reason for that well i'm just starting now to really dig into the data so preliminary cut for what we look at is it's going to go from 100 from 200 down to about 130 140 maybe so Mm -hmm. i mean that's percentage wise that's a big drop but previous years it was a big year if we hit 100 so it's still like at all-time highs and the private equity groups are really driving so much of it now. I mean, they they make half, if not more than half, of the deals, both new uh, new acquisitions and then the add-ons to the uh, to the to the existing platform. So you just have so much going on there. And I think what's interesting, and I need to go through and count, is that there ha- there weren't a lot of you know, what they call exits when the private equity company sells their platform. So the number of these 
private equity platforms just keeps growing. Um, so, but well, you know, and, and the traditional buyers are still really active too. I mean, the well, CACIs, yeah, the, tradi- the miners, yeah. those the traditional folks. buyers are active, but you know, I, I don't know uh, what your recollection is, but early on when the uh, private equity came in, it was like GovCon is a shiny rock. Let's go buy some, um, you know, only on rare occasion would I get a call from somebody and it was, you know, a friend of mine at Raymond James uh, who focused on, on the channel. He'd call, we'd have a call a couple of times a year and he'd, you know, ask me for my, my overview on, you know, what the channel looks like, who's playing, who's moving up, who's moving down, who's, you know, and this was back when, uh, when DLT and MX were shaping up and then Craig yeah. left DLT and started Kerasoft. And I got calls from this guy, uh, regularly about, you know, what, what the heck is DLT doing? There's no information out there about them or not DLT. I'm sorry, Kerasoft. Um, so it, you know, but too often they come in because it's a huge market. They see these giant numbers attached to contract wins and they don't understand that it's an IDIQ. Yeah. Yeah. But the other part too, so, and you, you can go back to the BDM days. So they were owned by Carlisle. Yep. Sold to TRW made it, you know, there is a track record of success. And so wasn't that see- Ed's company way back when, or what? No, that was no, no, BTG. Ed, Ed Burst, yeah, it was BTG. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you have this track record and you have, you know, you know, Carlisle's not too active in our part of the space. They've gotten so big and they're really after kind of the big, uh, you know, really big stuff. But no, well, they were active with Booz Allen. When yeah. They, they, with that, but they're making money and you do see some that, you know, some newbies that come in and they'll pay overpay for something and then they kind of go away. But you've got the, you know, there's DC Capital, Arlington Capital, Veritas, you know, Carlisle still. Um, gosh, there's just a list that keeps growing that very experienced. They know the market and they know. Yeah. Smarter money these days. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much smarter money. And they're getting they're getting the returns because the market's really really been growing and and probably will continue to grow if we get a budget in the fall <laughs> <laughs> if we get a budget period um, you know, yeah. funny, one deal i want to talk about just briefly is this uh you know booz allen acquired yep. this company everwatch right and the justice department tried to block it because there was one particular contract that everwatch had i don't know Booz Allen had Everwatch was competing and basically they're saying, hey, you're buying your competitor so you can hang on to this contract. But it sort of felt the judge kind of dismissed it because the contract was so small for when you look at Booz Allen overall, it was not a significant, it was a significant customer, but they also had that customer on other contracts. And they, it, uh, but it just really showed, I think that, you know, people were like, oh my gosh, are they, we going to start getting, you know, antitrust suits and things like that. But the market is so fragmented and there's so many contracts and so many ways of uh, new entrants into the market that, you know, we're a long way from worrying about, you know, monopolies and things like that. Uh, so I that think deal so. went through. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we may touch on monopolies when we talk about clouds later on, but right now we're yeah. going to take a break. <laughs> You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with my friend Nick Wakeman of Washington Technology. You know, I get Nick's news pretty much every day. I think every day I get the newsletter. Uh, and and it's a main source for me, so subscribe. And uh, And if you have a story, reach out to Nick. Uh, so we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Nick Wakeman, editor in chief of Washington Technology, uh, longtime editor of Washington Tech. So, um, supply chain issues continue to be uh, a, a significant thorn. You you seem to think there may be some areas in, or signs of improvement. Yeah, I think things are settling out a little bit. You know, during COVID, it was really bad. And, and you saw, and actually it drove prices higher. So that fed some inflation and things like that. And there's, there's still the chip issue and that's going to take, you know, years Forever. and years to kind of solve that if they ever do. But the one thing I find really interesting about the supply chain is increasingly shifting pre COVID. It was, everything was about speed, just in time, get it here, cheapest price, blah, blah, blah. Now everything is more to it's shifted over to securing that supply chain. So I think you see companies have been working harder to one, if they get it, you know, get their suppliers in the United States, but also have multiple diversify their supplier base so that when disruptions happen, you can shift over easy. And that's where I see the improvement. I think they're getting much smarter about their supply chain, where they're getting things and, how they're sourcing it and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think, and I think it's COVID. I think a lot of it has to do with COVID and the kind of the lesson learned that, Hey, we've got to think about our, the security as far as, and I'm not talking like cybersecurity, that's a whole other area, but just sort of knowing that we can depend on these suppliers and, you know, getting parts or getting com- components or whatever you want to call them out ahead of time instead of, you know, calling up and say, hey, I need this on Friday and, and getting it FedEx to you. So that's that's yeah. sort of where I, I think it's the smarter supply chain is what I see. Developing. It, it, it's funny because, you know, for for uh, Soup 5, when Joanne was putting together Soup 5, we had several chats before the uh, the final RFP went out. And the supply chain, uh, the sourcing of the material was a big part of her contract. And you had to verify as a contractor, as a VAR, where your stuff was coming from. Um, so, I mean, she was ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. She's been ahead of the curve yeah, on a lot of things. But... I was going to say, she's in- amazing what she's done. Yes, yes. And when when Soup 6 comes out, uh, I can't imagine everything that's going to be attached to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's probably not far away. Yeah. Um, so let's, 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 I reference this at the end of the first segment. So we'll dive into it now. Clouds, clouds, clouds. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's not that many players, but there's still a boatload of work to do. Oh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's still probably 60, 70% of the government does not move to the cloud that could. So there's still a lot of just 
even if you just lift and shift, there's still a lot of that work to be done. And, and I think, so I think that's going to accelerate. And then I think the competition is just going to be fierce, but uh, yeah. Well, you, you, let's 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 talk a little bit about the players. I mean, we have sure. Microsoft and AWS as as truly the uh, the mooses in this particular arena, but Oracle's always been kind of a a gnat in here, yeah. buzzing around, irritating people, and you know, except maybe for their clients who I think like them. But then you know what? A year ago, Google comes in. Hello, yeah. Uh, yeah. what took you so long, dudes? <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny because Google was working on a big artificial intelligence project, Maven, and they have a kind of a semi-revolt. And they kind of at that, this was probably three years ago, and they kind of pulled back. So, yeah, it was kind of surprising. But I think they looked at it and it was like, there's a lot of money to be made here. If we Even if we capture just 5% of the potential market, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, I haven't had verification of this, but I heard early on when they came in that their goal was to be number two in 24 months. So it Ooh. reminded me of the Jack Welch, uh, you know, we're going to be number one or number two yeah. in every market we're in uh, or we're not going to play. Uh, so I'm going to leave the ball because it's not mine. To, they're not going to be able to do that though. No, I, I, two, I thought it was, months. I thought it was a pretty <laughs> just. To be kind, I thought it was a pretty aggressive goal, but uh, I also haven't been able to verify that. Yeah, but you but know, you know my... all four of them are on that big uh, JWCC, what Joint Warfighter Cloud contract? Yeah, something like that. I think that which was sort of the replacement for the Jedi debacle. Um, <laughs> Let's but not the thing... go there. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, of those four, only Microsoft and uh, AWS sort of have, you know, enough of the the clearances and and levels of security. I mean, yeah, know, they're, they're, I Google mean, and AWS, Google and Oracle still need to, and I, I know they're working on it. And they'll get they'll get there. Are we talking FedRAMP here? Yeah, like FedRAMP, and then there's yeah. the other. There's some the other NIST. Yeah, um, so that you can handle secret and classified data and things like that. So what, but, what, how much of the cloud is DOD and how much is civilian? Do you have any clue? I never thought about that before. I, you know, I hadn't either. That's, that's an interesting, I think DOD will be bigger because there's also that trend now to get so more and more computing out to the edge and they just have right. so many more needs for that. Support but, of the warfighter. Yeah. Yeah. But what's going to be interesting, you know, AWS has been the dominant one for so long and they have such an installed base you know, there was a protest I wrote about a couple of weeks ago where the Navy basically just did a direct contract with AWS. And now Oracle is protesting because, hey, you can't do this without any competition. But the solicitation said they needed somebody to supply. They did a brand name. You know, I'm not going to get the right procurement terms in there, but it was a brand name competition and because they have AWS and they just want to continue it. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of those kinds of protests and things because well, that's what killed Jedi. Yeah, yeah. You know, Oracle's perpetual protest mode. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah. They're they're that, very uh, they they're not afraid to pull the trigger on that. No, sure. 
God, no. Well, I mean, you know, they they have skin in the game. Why wouldn't they? But you're right. You know, AWS has Max Peterson driving the bus now, and he's yeah. been driving the bus since Teresa left. But here's the other thing. Max was Teresa's first hire when she went there. She wanted him bad uh, because he's one of the maybe, you know, one of the top salespeople in the market. And he knows how to motivate salespeople. He knows how to build relationships with the client. And now he's driving one huge friggin' bus. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had him on, have you had him on your podcast? I have not, but you know, that's, that's a great suggestion. I should. Both of us should. Damn. Mad Max. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's, it's funny. We used to live in the same neighborhood. And he was at CDW and, you know, we'd be talking seven o'clock at night and I'd go, oh, crap, my Internet just went out or something just went out. And he'd say, put on a co- cup of coffee or a pot of coffee. I'll be over in five minutes. <laughs> a hands on guy. I mean, yeah. top to bottom, hands on. Um, so, all right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Nick Wakeman. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of other things, but uh Stay tuned. You will be amused. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here with Nick Wakeman, editor of Washington Technology. And Nick is taking us on a guided tour of the major issues in the market right now. Uh, all I'm doing is throwing up the red meat and letting Nick run. Uh, <laughs> so, and here, here's another one. You know, CMMC. Yes. Do we need it? Yes. Uh, are are the final rules coming real soon? Yeah. Um, what's the story here? Well, you know, <laughs> I was talking with someone today about it a little bit, and, and they've been talking March, but I think it's going to slip. But what I think people know sort of what the basic rule is going to be, so you should be getting ready for it now. You know, getting you know getting your audits, you know, determining you know, how much government data on your systems and how you can either, you know, isolate it and how to protect it and, and that sort of thing. But I think the bigger question in my mind is how are they going to, how's it going to roll out? How's it going to show up in, in contracts and how soon and for who, um, you know, the CMMC 1.0 had, you know, was had a very clear, path that they described even though it was extremely ambitious they've rolled that back but they it's not clear to me exactly how you know how soon we'll we'll see it as a requirement and so i think a lot of people i don't know there seems to be a mix or some some companies i've talked to that are very on board they're doing work they're going to be ready others are very much kind of the wait and see and um want to see the final rule and and the plan for rollout before they really start to invest in it which could be a mistake. Well, I, you know, it could be a competitive <clears throat> advantage if you're an early mover. True. And I think most of the, and we'll touch on larger companies in a little bit, but I think most of the larger companies that, that own big vehicles are, are poised to be ready. The mid tiers and the smalls, I think, you know, a few of them are laying the groundwork but they're not going to pull the trigger because they've seen too many things like this come along and, yeah. and disappear. Yeah. And That's it's a good not point. like the is- Yeah. The issues aren't going to disappear. 
you know, we should follow the NIST guidelines. Hello, that's not tough. Uh, and just make it mandatory. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ron Ross's folks uh, know this stuff. So, you know, why why hasn't he been on the board of this damn thing driving the bus? Yeah, that's that's I, a good point. I'm sure there's issues around that, but I don't care. I want to get <laughs> stuff done. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and speaking of larger companies, um, you know, they they continue to dominate the major wins. You know, the contracts seem to be getting larger in dollar and in scope. One of the things we agreed to talk about is why you shouldn't ignore the largest companies. So give me your take. Yeah, well, they... You know, I, I'm going to be, uh, I don't want to sound this might be overly dramatic, but what the heck. In some ways, they kind of remind me of, in Star Trek, the Borg that would go through space and just grab things and assimilate and, and, cha- mm-hmm. and they would change as they get. In some ways, some of the large companies are kind of like that. I, I don't mean like a, with an evil connotation, but they, either through acquisitions or investment, they stay kind of on the leading edge of things. So where they're the investing... Uh, you can follow what they invest in as uh, sort of the direction that technology is going and business is going and things like that. So that, that's one reason. The other reason is just the dollars. I mean, so much business flows through those companies. They, you should look at our, you know, our annual top 100 list. Look at that top 25 as a, another market in addition to the federal market and selling, marketing yourself to them, making connections there. Because so much of the business will flow through those those 25 companies. And yep. I think a lot of people do that because we see it in watching our web traffic that if we have a story that's, you know, Lidos, the number one company, a story about Lidos, it's going to get, you know, more traffic than a story about a company that might be, you know, number 60 in the market. You know, because people really watch watch Lidos and what, what they're doing. Are you telling me that Lido's stories get more traffic than my articles? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> what? I'll have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it goes back. Yeah. You know, before you know, Lido's you know bought that big Lockheed business. Yeah, I remember when before that. And this is when Linda Gooden was running that business, and we were starting. This was oh my gosh, how long has she been retired? A while. Yeah. yeah. But we were just starting to write some about the cloud and talking about, you know, what is it? And and it just didn't, you know, we'd look at the write a story and just the traffic was just nothing. It's like, well, people don't really care about this. And then Linda reached out and said, I'm going to write a commentary for you about why the cloud's going to be important. And she did. And it exploded on the website. And I'm convinced to this day that because who she was and the company she worked for, that if it's important to Lockheed, it's going to be important to the rest of us. And that's sort you, of, you should, you should repost that article as, you know, this was the tipping point kind of thing. Oh, that's a great idea. That's there, a really there, good idea. Well, I mean, there's, you know, that I repost some of the stuff I write for you. Yeah. And when, when I posted originally, you know, I get X number of views when I repost it, I'm I'm like doubling. So some of the stuff is evergreen, but knowledge like that, understanding why and where the turning point was, can give you some inkling as to where and how the market works. Yeah, that's a really good idea, Mark. Thank you. Well, let me know when you put it up because I'm going to read will. it and share the SOB. Um, 
I'm I'm on your payroll now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the 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 major companies are are growing because there's some the major tech themes out there. Yeah. And it, and it, you know it, it's kind of like modernization, cloud computing, cyber. Oh my. Um, it's you know, get, let's let's run down these things. Let's start with systems modernization. That is just everywhere now, and you see it. It's funny, you know. They had that uh, TMF fund, which I think is kind of a little bit of a joke because there's really not very little money in it. But that whole idea of you know moving off legacy systems, moving to the cloud, but also taking that as an opportunity to improve the way an, an agency operates. And I think the agencies really have taken that to heart. Um, one, I think they don't have as many people as they used to have. Um, I mean, their budgets are strong, but they also have missions that have expanded. You look at how, you know, the response to COVID I think has driven that for some, some agencies, but they're and, and DOD, of course, the, the peer and near peer adversaries, you know, information superiority is going to win the day on, on the battlefield. And so I think that drives a lot of this, these systems modernization efforts and then feeding off of that, you know, you need to modernize your systems. If you're, there's that big push now for the customer experience or, or user experience uh, aspect of things. And to do that, you have to have more modern systems. You have to be in the cloud. You have to, you know, have, have that infrastructure in place. So yeah, systems modernization is a, it's a big umbrella in my mind. It pulls in a lot of things. Yeah. And pulls in the enterprise IT, the cloud computing and, and, you know, the elephant in the room, which is the cyber, the zero trust, you know, the zero trust thing is booming. My, my friends at Zscaler have a, a summit coming up March 8th on, on, uh, on zero downtown at the Reagan center. So easy for feds to get to, um, uh, you know, it's, it's huge. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I think that the whole zero trust phenomenon is, I mean, it's been coming for a while because I remember it used to be about firewalls and uh, intrusion detection and things like that. But I guess three, four or five years ago that you start, people started talking more about, well, you know, it's got to be inside your your security has to be inside because they're going to get in. Um, and what do you do then? And I think yeah, that's no. that authentication, authentication, and all that part of that that zero trust yeah. feeds that yeah. that sort of it's almost more a it's as much a mindset and you know approach to the problem as it is a technology. I mean, technology yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's not it's, a hardware issue. It's a, yeah. Yeah, you have to think about it differently. Yeah. So, I mean, from from my mind, we we saw the beginnings of that back when CDM got its own sin. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Oh five, oh six, oh seven, yeah. somewhere around there. Um, and and you know, continuing diagnostics and mitigation was, you know, are, you're you're watching for those outside penetration things. Um, and yeah, zeros just like you know that on steroids, but. You know, I'm I'm anxious to see uh, again. You know, I'll probably go down to the uh, to the public sector summit that that uh, 
Zscaler is doing because I, I, I'm not going to stay the whole day, but I, I need to know more about this stuff. Yeah, I do too. Maybe we'll so, meet down there for lunch or something. <laughs> we'll have coffee. Yes. Have coffee. <laughs> and, and we'll attend a session. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Nick and I will wrap up right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Nick Wakeman. We've covered a lot of ground today, but I want to uh, uh, talk about one of the uh, the issues that also has been with us seemingly forever. Uh, the the VA Cerner thing, DOD. What? Why can't we resolve this issue? What is the issue, and why can't we resolve it? Yeah, well, you know, with VA, they are replacing. I believe it's called Vista. This homegrown uh, electronic health record system that never worked, uh, that never worked real well, very decentralized, very, you know, kind of different versions and different centers. And so the idea of moving uh, and, and DOD has their own you know issues. And so DOD moved first to go with Cerner and VA followed thinking, yes, we use the same software as DOD. Everything will be interoperable. Blah, blah, blah. There's some question about if they had to do that. DOD at least did a competition to pick Cerner. VA did not. VA justified a sole source thing to Cerner. Uh, but it's, for VA, I mean, for both of them, it's been a little bit of a mess. Um, but VA in particular, I mean, they're way behind and the number keeps, I mean, it's billions and billions and billions of dollars now. I mean, probably three or four times what DOD is spending because, well, VA has a lot more people to take care of and, you know, a lot farther along. But, you know, I was talking with somebody about VA not too long ago, and I asked that question. I said, you know, DOD has had struggles, but they seem to be making progress where VA can't. And this person said something I had never in the 20 plus years had not thought about. And he said, you need to look at the culture of the agencies. At DOD, you've got generals and they have a, a chain of command. And if someone says, nope, quit your complaining, this is what you're going to do. People fall in line and do it. VA, and I would think the VA is not alone in this. VA is not like that at all. And so that makes it you have, you know, reach so much resistance to change and complaints and, and wanting to, Oh, well, let's do it. We need to do it this way here. We're different from them. Um, and there's no real hammer that can come down on them and say, no, you got to do it this way. So the cost just keeps escalating. And, you know, Cerner's had their challenges with the other ch- differences. DOD has Lidos as a prime contractor. VA has Cerner as the prime contractor, and I think they're they're a software company. So, you know, systems integration is not their strong suit. You know, um, and I think that's been a struggle. You know, you just have to train people. So, are you a training company? Well, no, they're not a training company. You know, are you a? Uh, how are you validating what you're doing? Well, you need to bring somebody else in for that. So it's it's been a mess. But I, that culture part just fascinates me, and I'm not sure how I can pursue that more, but it's just, I think that there's something really there even beyond VA, just looking at, you know, agencies and what they're like to do business with. 
Well, you you would assume if you're on the outside looking in, you would assume that the CIO would have a significant amount of weight in this. But yeah. if you look across the board, the tenure of CIOs, if you're resistant, you wait a little while, you know, that person's going to vacate. Right. Um, you know, it that's that's the culture. Yeah. Uh, they're appointees. Uh, and that shouldn't they should be senior executive career. They should not be appointees. Number no, one. I, yeah. Um, you know, then then you could have a more rigid chain of command when somebody says, you know, contracting's done this, finance has done this, I'm the CIO, I've done this, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until that happens, you know, stovepipe fiefdom crap is gonna occur. And my understanding at VA is that you have the office of IT, which is maintaining you know, Vista and the systems going on. And then the, the electronic health record is in its own office. So you have two separate entities running things. And eventually, my understanding is that the electronic health record will fall up under OIT, but that's probably still, you know, a decade, decade away. away. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny we picked the same word for that yeah. <laughs> um, real soon. Yeah. Uh, what a mess. Um, so let's, let's talk about workforce. Um, there's been a lot of talk over the years about the aging workforce. So what do your stats show you? Yeah. So, so our, uh, sibling organization, market connections, they did a survey. It's an annual survey they do, but the latest one, just looking at this, what I'm going to talk about right now, just the civilian part, 34% of the civilian workforce, government workforce, has more than 30 years of service. And uh, only 14% are in their first 10 years. So 34% over 30, 14% under under 10. Um, in the middle, about half the people have between 11 and 29 years. So that's not too bad, but you just don't have that pipeline coming up through. It's a very top heavy. And my understanding is people are staying longer, working, you know, continuing to work well beyond their, their 30 years. Um, so I think, I think that's going to be, I mean, it's always been an issue, but it just feels like it's, you know, it's got to come to a head and they got to figure out a way to pull in younger people on the civilian side. DOD is sort of different. DOD, um, they have a lot of younger people, but you have, you know, whether you're still in the military or just fresh out of the military, you end up going to work for DOD. So they have they have more of a younger pipeline in place. Um, so they have like 45% have under 10 years and 17% have 30 plus. So, but I wonder too, if that 17% is low because people retire and then go to work in industry, you know, to continue working. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, that whole, what do they call it? The, I mean, the grain of the workforce, but also the, uh, that brain drain or whatever has never quite happened, but we're just always at risk. And now just, just getting the, the people to come to work you know, to join, to come to work for a government contract or come to work for an agency is hard. Yeah. I, I don't know if I did the article for you or on LinkedIn or what, but God, 
at least 10 years back, I was predicting the major migration of, of senior feds out of the market. And it, it, it never happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think saying it was 10 years ago as being generous is probably, I think, I think that is generous. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it has I think lingered that, there. Yeah. I think the issue more with workforce, you know, aging's definitely a concern, but I think it's more just like in general of, you know, how do you get people to come to work, you know, for a government agency or, or a government contractor? What, what, how do you make it more attractive? I mean, the mission attracts people, but, um, you know, my understanding is on the, like the classified space is really hard now because people don't, since COVID, people don't want to go in and, you know, go to a skiff and work in a skiff. Um, so that, that part is getting harder to fill. Can't take your phone, dude. That's right. <laughs> and you can't, you can't work, you know, four hours away from the customer or, or your four hours away from your boss and right wherever it is. So yeah, no tough. work from home skiffs that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we could start a cottage industry, lead boxes with, yeah. with some kind <laughs> of uh, air conditioning. That's right. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, Nick, give me some final thoughts. What should people be looking for uh, in the next few months or however long? What are, what are well, the biggies th- coming down? Yeah, I think we really need to watch what goes on with Congress because um, as as dysfunctional as they are, they still have some, you know, some big things they have to do. I mean, the debt ceiling is, is hanging out there. And then September 30th is going to be here before we know it. And, you know, I know some people say, okay, we'll have a long-term CR, but that might be the, the best case scenario. I mean, I, I've, I'm fearful that we might be headed for a shutdown on October 1. You know, the, uh, it, it does seem close, right? It's still eight months out. Yeah. But, but uh, in, in government time, that's, you know, a yeah. finger snap. Um, and, and this Congress, I mean, we, we thought, you know, back in 94 that the, uh, you know, Newt's yeah. rebels were, you know, causing a ruckus. They ain't, they ain't nothing compared to this. It's amazing. It's, it's just, you got to wonder if you'll see some, because there's a lot of people up there that know that they have to govern and they have to do things. But, you know, will we see some hybrid coalition of, of legislators that are willing just to, you know, go their own way and, spur the party i I don't know it doesn't seem that way but it it would be nice if there was a middle ground once again yes uh and there doesn't seem to be one yeah i'm not holding out significant hopes for that man it's always fun to chat um so let's do it again soon all right well thank you mark and again happy anniversary thank you sir yeah, uh, you know, 16 years on, on and, and this was the first show for government contractors, so I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and I'm proud of, of having, you know, guys like Nick on on a regular basis, Larry Allen, uh, a bunch of people who know just a ton of stuff. So, Nick, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, this is not my day job. I do advise companies on uh, marketing to the government. I specialize in helping companies build subject matter experts platforms, leveraging LinkedIn and content marketing to develop 
and sustain a competitive advantage via a differentiation. So if that resonates, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 